When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You ready? Yes. You ready, girly? I'm ready to talk about how Chris Watts is actually the one who killed Princess Diana. Chris Watts? <laughs> yeah. It was Chris Watts. Few people know that his first kill was actually Princess Diana. How old do you, how old was he when Princess Diana Ten. died? <laughs> Ten <laughs> like, years old. You were able to do that math quick. Yeah, he was born in 1985. Wow, you I are... know too much about him. This is upsetting. And also his wife and her friends and some of his friends and yeah. even some of Nicole, uh, whatever the fuck, Kessinger's friends. For context, for the (laughs) listener, um, for those of you who may not know who Chris Watts is, um, he's currently um, kind of the star of Netflix um, because he's the latest murderer that there's a documentary about. I mean, we made him the star because that came out like three years ago. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like I've been seeing people talking about it Yeah, all the way through quarantine. It's just so good. Is it? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think it is a good job. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good documentary. I mean, I think you're fascinated by murder. I am fascinated, but that was a that's good... that's a documentary about a murder. And it was a good murder documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. I just think that it was like... You know, that documentary was kind of handed on a silver platter to whoever got the rights. Yeah. Because there's so much, like, Facebook footage Well, that kind of, of happened family. by chance with the woman who decided to make the documentary. She really wanted to make it, and then I guess, like, contacted um, the wife's family and was like, I want to make a documentary about your daughter. Um, and she was like, how can I get them to trust me? And she was like, I want to give your daughter a voice. And they were like, great, here's her cell phone and laptop. <laughs> you can have it tell her story yeah yeah no I'm, i mean i'm not saying that it was planned that way i'm just saying regardless of you know whether they knew it was going to be a treasure tro- trove or not it ended up being a treasure trove it did and i don't think that that documentary would be nearly as interesting without all that oh footage. yeah no for sure not yeah. at all yeah which my mom always told me nika if someone ever tries to force you into a car let them kill you fight until they kill you because once you're in the car you're already dead yeah it's true. I mean, it is and it isn't true. But there's plenty of I survived stories, too. Um, but, you know, normally not with all their limbs. I don't know if you know about that woman who was, like, in that... Have, no. Oh, my God. Ah! I mean, there's a good episode of My Favorite Murder about it. And then there's also, a, like, the reason that they covered it in My Favorite Murder is because there's an amazing episode of it um, in I Survived, the oh, TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I had seen the I Survived show like years and years and years before My Favorite Murder ever covered it. And when I, I guess like seven years, I make it sound like decades, you know, like for me, it'd been like a really long time before My Favorite Murder like reminded me of it. Mm-hmm. And God, it makes me feel so bad <laughs> to laugh so hard at this. But there's this very funny element of that episode where she's telling her story for like 20 minutes 
Um, and she's crying a lot while she's telling her story. And you're, like, kind of wondering why she's not, like, dabbing her eyes or anything. Because, no. because that, you know, normally when people are crying in a documentary, there's, like, a whole moment where they, make, they like, make a moment out of yeah. the person handing them a tissue. And it's almost as if they didn't let this woman use tissues until they got to the part where her arms were cut off. Oh, my God. Because then, they, like, a, literally <sighs> the second she mentions that he cut her arm off... <sighs> Like, a little, like, you know, her prosthetic comes in, and that's when she starts dabbing oh, her eyes. My God. And I'm like, uh, it always makes me lose it laughing, not because of what happened to her, but because of the documentary choice yeah. to, like, not let this fucking woman dab her goddamn eyes until she just, re- until the reveal, you know? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did they ever do an episode about Chris Watts? My favorite murder. Oh, I thought you meant I survived. I'm like, oh, nobody survived. Except Chris Watts. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> except, well, except his daughters, because he tried to kill them, and then he didn't. Yeah, but and then, then... he did it again. But then he killed them again. Yeah, he's like, they're like, hey, Dad, real quick, before you murder us for again. a second time, we have to squeeze in this episode of I Survived. Um, he's like, yeah, great, great. Go, go, go. We'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back. Um, I wonder. I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna have it to would, look it up tonight. It would be kind of bonkers if they hadn't. Yeah. But anyway, enough about true crime. Although honestly, this is a true crime podcast. This is a certified true crime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. So to the person who yelled at me today on Twitter, fuck you. Wait, who yelled at you for what? Um. Because I tweeted that screenshot last night of Nicole, which it's really, hold on, I'm actually just going to pull it up because maybe people will laugh. I don't know. I think it's funny. Um, I posted that screenshot last night of her talking about anal sex. Oh, yes. All right. So it's, this is about. um, It's a text. Or no, no, no. Go ahead. It's it's from an article. It's about um, Chris Watts's mistress who he killed his family to be with unbeknownst to her yeah and it says a week before watts killed his family kessinger spent more than two hours searching the internet for wedding dresses and documents released by weld county colorado district attorney's <laughs> office miss kessinger also spent 45 minutes googling how to prepare for anal sex and the anal sex guide on the night before the murders so i just tweeted it and was like uh googling how to prepare for anal sex is such a vibe it's so the, well, that's what i said i was like this is such a vibe anal sex and wedding dresses literally me literally your search history and then um meredith like replied to it um and was like we were like laughing about it and then someone who follows a her i guess some guy replied and was like wow like laughing about a man who killed his wife and like his kids and put them in oil tanks like i know it's twitter but like jesus christ <laughs> and you're like no no no, don't get me wrong i am also laughing yeah. about that but this time just the search history yeah i was like uh i would laugh about that search history if it were like my dearest friend who got murdered. it's truly hilarious yeah. like what she had nothing to do with it it's funny <laughs> you're like looking up wedding dress First of all, two hours looking up wedding dresses. They'd only been dating for a month. Psycho behavior that I relate to. <laughs> and then the anal sex part is, I'm just like envisioning her like in the movie. It's like split screen and she's Googling how to prepare for anal sex while he's like killing his wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a funny juxtaposition. <laughs> like the, they're both very invested in, the, in this relationship. Yeah, in exactly. <laughs> She's like making a Pinterest page. Allison Williams and Get Out is playing her, like making her Pinterest page while he's just murdering someone. I love that. Yeah. Um, Great. Well, 
<laughs> Should we just get, move on? Yeah, and that's the episode. And that's the episode. Bye, everyone. <laughs> um, do you want? Do you have mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes? Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. I mean, I guess like like the mistake is that we may have been exposed. Yeah, but was that a... But the only reason it's a mistake is that it's thrown a wrench in the rest of our, like, plans. Oh, yeah. True. Though, luckily, you and the other person have both tested negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will get tested tonight or tomorrow morning. Yeah, everybody that could have been exposed um, is totally fine, regardless of if... You know, like, everyone is a person that will be fine yeah so we're not worried in that sense but it just sucks because it definitely does suck we have to be responsible so we're like you know not doing any of the things we were gonna do this week yeah it does blow i can't wait to be fully vaccinated two three different crushes i was supposed to see this week (laughs) because i just got vaccinated so i'm um you know i'm i'm upset I got it. Wait, did you get fully vaccinated? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but it goes, your chances are split yeah, by like half. 80%. Yeah, no, I was just curious. So I was just, I was starting to get a little bit more loosey-goosey. No, I get it. Crush plans, you know? I know. I definitely did cry when um Cody texted me last night. Oh, God. And was like, Anya just texted me. And I was like, I know I was just about to, but I was busy crying because I'm <laughs> pissed off. Yeah, there's a couple that we're both um, in love with. <laughs> And we were going to um, have drinks with them. And but this is even better because now we got to have like a dinner with them yeah, instead of just instead. drinks in Bushwick, which I love. But yeah, my keepsake is that, you know, the amount of time has gone by now where it probably would show up on a test. Yeah, absolutely. And I was negative today and I'm going to go get tested again in another two days and then again two days after that. And then it will have been over a week yeah since the possible exposure and then i think it's pretty chill according to literally the cdc i'm not saying like my opinion it's chill they say say that it's a week now rather than two weeks if you consistently get tested throughout that week yeah also if the person who lives with this person tested negative i feel like it's fine we're in the clear (laughs) no i mean literally the it would be a mistake if any of us, if anybody involved had, like, people in our lives where we're, like, putting someone at, like, high risk. Yeah, or if we just, like, not told anyone. Yeah, yeah, no, we're doing we're doing the right thing. Hey, we're here, we're transparency here at Best Mistakes, um, and uh, while we have been slowly starting to socialize in small numbers again we also know the risks that it, that that comes with and we're being responsible with those risks by only think... hanging out with 125 or closest <laughs> friends and loved ones but you know i think this is the new normal that we all have to kind of get used to it absolutely is because everyone just keeps saying like when the pandemic is over and that's not happening no we're gonna be living with yeah we're gonna be living with this virus forever it's just gonna turn into something like the flu or like it's gonna turn into something where people do continue to die but it's not gonna be healthy people who are quote-unquote healthy people who are dying from what i've been reading they think it's gonna turn into an endemic rather than a pandemic gotcha yeah no i mean also just in terms of like there is no cure we only like getting a vaccine is not the same as curing something 
because there's also no cure for like the flu or the cold exactly so that's just not gonna happen so i just i think that it's good you know more and more people are getting vaccinated in new york city right now so i'm witnessing a lot more people starting to hang out which i'm very excited about honestly like i think that's a good thing i do too because we've been very much uh cooped up you know and that's not good i mean not me but everyone else I can't relate, but... But we've been cooped up. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Lo- we yeah. have been cooped up. We've been cooped up, but we've, you know, we figured out ways to kind of, like, hang out with small groups of people and get tested uh, regularly, and that's yeah. what we've been doing. But anyway, for the people who have not been doing that and have started because of getting vaccinated, um, you know, maybe get used to the idea that it's not over. <laughs> Because it's not. And, yeah, get tested. Sometimes you have to cancel your plans. It's like getting chlamydia or something. Like, now you just can't fuck the person you were going to fuck until this clears up. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And honestly, it worked out. I needed to, like, clean my room last night anyway and, like, kind of do things that I wouldn't have done because I've been hanging out a lot this week. Uh Uh-huh. So it worked out for the best. Totally. So, anyway... That's what I would say my mistake is literally, like, not, whatever. It wasn't a mistake to see see a friend who ended up being um, tangentially exposed to someone who is uh, mm. COVID positive at the moment. Yeah. Because that's just going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. So that itself is not a mistake. But um, the plans that I was looking forward to that had to be canceled, that's what I feel was my mistake this week. Anyway... My keepsake that my first test was negative. Um, that felt very good today because I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> and um, the Sex in the City movies last uh-huh. night. <laughs> my hot take is that um, the fashion in Sex in the City is actually really heinous. Like the movies? Just all of it. Okay. <laughs> Nicola Mazzo has just exited the studio <laughs> to go um, buy a gun. Um, yeah, I just was kind of reminded of just how over the... T- I mean, not all of their outfits, obviously. There's, like, plenty of good outfits. But I think overall, like, Carrie just needs to get something in that hair. It's so frizzy. Um, <laughs> uh, and frizzy isn't bad, but it looks like she doesn't want it to be frizzy. It looks like it's just, like, really humid all the time, and she did not put anything in it to, like, help with that. All right, interesting. As the queen of frizz when I have long hair, I have thoughts about this. What are your but, thoughts? Well, just that it's a look. Yeah, I have thought. frizzy hair, too. I guess it's, I mean, whatever. I have, like, carry frizzy hair when it's long, so I like the way but that it looks. Your hair isn't that curly, though. It gets, it gets like, loose curls when it's long. Yeah, but when not it hits, like, No, no, th- I mean, those are, yeah, not those tight curls. Yeah. But it gets extremely frizzy. I, yeah, I guess I don't, like, you definitely have a different aesthetic than her, though. I don't mind frizz. I have frizzy hair, but I just feel like um, her vibe... And, like, everyone else's hair around her would insinuate that she would just have, um, like, a solution to that. Mm. Well, maybe maybe it's a... I think it's, like, a character trait. She's the more wild one. She's less put together emotionally. Yeah. The hair... Hair in shows always signifies something. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's definitely my character trait with my frizzy ass hair. I definitely, I'm not on any high horse about frizz. I just, on television, um, with specifically, like, I have very similar type of curly hair to her when my hair is long. Mm -hmm. And um, it's always just something that I marvel at other people's ability to keep the frizz down and i feel like they're such an aspirational show like her whole thing she's like such an aspirational aesthetic and mm. sometimes the type of frizz just it looks like a failure on the hair and makeup department's part more than a character interesting. trait interesting like it doesn't look like carrie chose this it looks like hbo's hair and makeup department like forgot to spray something in her hair hmm. Because sometimes it's fine. I guess that's what it is. I guess because sometimes it doesn't look like that. I'm like, what's going on? Well, her hair definitely changes a lot throughout the show. And, like, so does the style. I mean, I think Carrie's style in the first three seasons is the best it ever gets. And then as soon as the show... Because you can even see, like, the first season, her makeup is not good. Yeah. Her hair... It looks like she, Carrie Bradshaw, is getting ready herself. Yeah, Without a team. And I think that's why she looks hot, because she looks like a normal person. As soon as season four rolls around, where HBO clearly got a huge budget for this show it became really sanitized with her style and her hair and i wasn't a fan Mm -hmm. but i think she's a style icon yeah i just don't feel that way and i never really did feel that way but watching those two movies last night really like reminded me because i haven't watched the show in a long time really reminded me how much i don't um I just, that is not an aesthetic that I care for. But that's just me. You're a Manhattan girl. I'm not. I am a Manhattan girl. And I just find most um, women in Manhattan style to be really heinous, personally. Oh, I'm like, I guess we won't be friends when I move to Manhattan. (laughs) I could be friends with someone whose style I find heinous. Interesting. (laughs) Are you calling my style heinous, Anya? No, you don't live in Manhattan yet. All right. Interesting. (laughs) All right. We'll see. We'll see what you think this summer when I'm wearing my little dresses and heeled sandals. I think all that's fine. Well, that's all she really wears. I don't know. Did you see the like picture that I posted on? Yeah, but the, again, the movie style is so bad. Everything about the movie, the two movies, is just like not the universe of I the show. I also just personally, I think it's fine on other people, and I'll probably end up changing my mind on it eventually because style. You know, it's fluid, but I really don't like skirts that um, land anywhere within the knee. Oh, yeah. All of her skirts are that. I don't like the skirt fashion that she has. Yeah. Yeah. It only works for her because she has a torso. But like, I I hate that look. Yeah. I'm talking about like the iconic looks, like the dresses with like, you know. I already said there are plenty of looks that are good. No, the skirts are bad. Her day to day wear, I just would never wear. And the amount of money she clearly spends on it, I just find embarrassing a little bit. Like, I'm like, spend that money on clothes that look good yeah i mean she's clearly you know her whole thing is she's a label whore so not everything actually yeah is totally. that stylish and i get it i like once again <laughs> do whatever you want carrie bradshaw but it was just interesting to be reminded of how much i don't like her style but yeah, yeah when they go out like their looks when they're like going out as a group at yeah. night are phenomenal yeah of course but that's like 
that isn't as much style as it is like picking a dress and picking shoes, which obviously I know takes taste. But like when you put together like a whole outfit mm-hmm. is when I start, I, I stop trusting those women as much. Interesting. When they like have their little skirts and their little blouses. I mean, Samantha's outfits, I see, I tend to always love. I wouldn't ever wear them myself, but like on her, I'm like, yeah. okay, love that. But um, Carrie, Miranda, and uh, Charlotte. Miranda's style is heinous. I mean, um, it's I just so don't bad. trust them to put a look together that isn't just a dress and shoes. Yeah. No, Miranda always looks bad. Anyway, so that's my hot take. All right. Also, I know that it's like they literally, it's a completely different era of fashion. So if anybody yeah. wants to come back at me with that, I'm, let's be clear. I'm taking into account what era that they're in. I'm not just saying for now. Of course, if that show came out now, they would all be incredibly out of touch if that's what they were wearing. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that. That's my hot take. Your turn. All right. Um, I'm just going to copy you with the mistake. I guess it would be the same thing, being possibly exposed to COVID, which is not really a mistake, but just... um, It's just a wrench. Just a, yeah, just a shitty thing. And yeah. It, um, yeah. That's it. Um, My keepsake um it's my niece's birthday today so i got to facetime with her for a minute even though she absolutely has no idea who i am i don't think because she hasn't seen me since august (laughs) um but i know who she is um we got to facetime today that was really cute i haven't facetimed her in a minute um oh i guess my keepsake Actually, all my keepsakes are just about my family. I also booked a flight to Florida this week to go spend eight days at my mom's house in May. That's sweet. Because she's getting vaccinated on Tuesday, which is very exciting because she has health problems and thus has not been able to see anyone. And we haven't been able to see her. So I'm excited for that. Um, And my hot take... um, I guess my hot take would have to do with like the Sarah Silverman stuff that was going around Twitter this week, which was just like a lot of. And I let me start off by saying Sarah Silverman has done some seriously fucked up shit that I don't think she has ever properly apologized for. Um, which are the which things do you think she hasn't apologized? For? She has apologized, but I don't think she is appropriately or, or done enough, which is the blackface incident in 2010, which I was fully not aware of until one of my black friends brought it to my attention last night on was Twitter. It 2010. It was 2010. That's the psycho part about it. Like I, huh. I I knew that she had because I remember her. Or one of her earliest specials that I ever watched was when I was like eight, where she's doing that song and she Jesus says the magic. Yeah, yeah, and she does the song in it where she says the n word. Mm. And I remember, like, even as a kid, laughing and then being like, "Oh, wait a minute!" But I don't know that she should have said that because she's white. But it took me obviously years until I was an adult to really understand the weight of it. So I remembered that. And I remember she had always defended that, being like, it was satire and I was trying to call out racist people. But the blackface, I read an article about it last night and it was bad. And again, 2010, like that was not that long ago. Yeah. It was only 12 years ago. Um, right? Yeah, 11. Um, I, yeah, what, what, what was her apology for that? I don't even remember. Her apology, basically, what I read last night was like uh, what a lot of white people say, which is, yeah, I'm sorry, and it was ignorant, and I just didn't know better, was pretty much like the gist of the apology. Um, she literally like dresses up as like a minstrel 
show performer. No, I remember it. Yeah. I watched her show. But then, you know, the whole premise was that, like, then the black guy also dressed up as, like, a really offensive caricature of a Jew. Yeah. So, I like, I do think that context is important. I don't think that it excuses it. Yeah. But it just is, like, it wasn't like she was just putting on blackface. No, totally. the joke. Yeah. Um, the joke was that they were, like... It, I forget the exact premise of the episode, but they they were like, walk a mile in my shoes. And then they yeah. both did very offensive versions of tr- attempting to do that. Yeah. Which. Uh, I just personally, if I were her, would have been like, no, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Oh, but I mean, th- it was probably her joke. I, my, I mean, the only reason that I just feel like nobody um, is like as angry at, um, tropic thunder for doing blackface i feel like nobody is as angry at like always sunny in philadelphia for doing blackface and i feel like a lot of the reason behind that is because like of the like well you have to understand the joke and like their fan bases are people who are more willing to understand the joke quote unquote and sarah silverman's fan base is one that as it should be cares more about um you know, people being, uh, they're like, uh, people, they care more about holding her to a higher standard, which I think is good. But I, sometimes I wonder if her apology is more because she like saw that her male counterparts were not getting the same kind of criticism. So she didn't feel as inclined to like do more of an apology than they ever did. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I don't, like, it does make sense. I'm sure that's it. I don't think that that is, like... I don't think it's an excuse. Yeah, and I I just... I think there's a lot... um, It's, like, obviously no no white person's place to excuse another white person for doing something racist um, on any level. But there is a lot that I... um, just blackface in particular is something that I'm like, yikes. Like oh, totally. that is like, that's like the one thing that like, what are we doing? But that's not the hot take. The hot take, no, that I, was just, that was part of it. The hot take was that this interview from her podcast or someone's podcast, I don't remember, was going around and it was a clip of her talking about, um, Talking about how she doesn't, um, I guess she had got called out for, like, quote-unquote, defending Biden's uh, migrant detention centers. She didn't really defend it. She was kind of saying what you and I had been talking about. Um, She got, like, her ass handed to her by people. And so in the interview, she talks about how, like, she's not a Democrat or a Republican anymore. And she just actually doesn't want to be a part of any party because it comes with too much baggage. And that... um, The progressive movement is full of elitists who don't actually believe in progress and they just want to, you know, cancel culture, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. Um, And there were just like a lot of comedians who were like getting like white comedians who were getting pissed off and retweeting it and like yelling at her um, and like comedians with like big followings. And it was just like weird to see because some of these comedians are people that have like been accused of doing fucked up shit but then like their friends ran to their defense and were like actually that's not what happened and i'll i'll tell you what i'm subbing when the mics are off (laughs) um and i don't know i think it's like it was just weird it's always weird to me because like my issue with what she was saying was just that i was annoyed that she was 
act talking about the progressive movement as though that's how progressives are when really progressives are not like that progressives are the ones who are like give cuomo another chance biden's great like let's let's protect these people because they're democrats it's like really twitter leftists who are like that and i like wish a distinction kind of had been made because it just made it made her sound cringy the whole uh tangent in my opinion but i still love sarah silverman and i think she's you know a badass and was very radical for the time that she came up in um so I guess the hot take is both watching your heroes uh, become <laughs> actual people and become cringy people sucks and it makes me want to die. Um, and also other like comedians need to stop projecting and deflecting, projecting and deflecting, projecting and deflecting the podcast um, and just need to like chill the fuck out because I don't get where this impulse comes from to be like, it's us and it's them. Yeah, because it's like we all we all agree on Twitter. We all agree in real life in these conversations with what Sarah Silverman is saying for the most part that like cancel culture is a thing. It just doesn't affect who we pretend it affects. Like it doesn't affect the already wealthy and connected. It affects like lower level people, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all agree that there has become an issue with the movement, progressive movement, if you want to call it that, I would call it the you know leftist movement in this country with how uh with just like the the aspect of purity politics yeah. essentially that like if you were you know racist when you were 15 and someone finds a tweet from when you're 15 and you're now 25 then we should like murder you have you and- heard neil brennan's joke about this no um actually i think sarah silverman quoted this joke on her podcast about about this which is funny but i just anyway i thought of it um independent of that but it's just funny that we're already talking about sarah silverman mm. but anyway neil brennan has this really funny joke where if you were to like take like find a picture of someone in fifth grade and be like what the fuck you're, you're so short in this picture and be like yeah but i've grown like yeah but in this picture you're short what the fuck yeah like explain yourself yeah like this is you isn't it um, and I just love the like, yeah, but I've like, I've grown like who I am now is not in that picture. Yeah. Um, obviously there's more nuance to no. like, if you said something racist at 15 and now you're a 40 year old or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's a different type of growth and it's growth that you need to actually like prove a little bit more. No, totally. Absolutely. But I think that that's like a very astute, um, like comparison. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like tired of uh, I'm I'm exhausted with uh, white people trying to separate ourselves from other white people yeah. and being like, I never said anything fucked up ever. Like, I've always been really honest about the fact that like my journey as someone who aims to be an anti-racist white person mm-hmm. like that didn't I wasn't born that way. I was born yeah. and raised in a family where they didn't think that they were racist, but they were racist And there were racist jokes that were told and there was a normalization of racism in my family that I was not aware of until I was like 17, 18 years old and was being educated by teachers who were calling this behavior out. And then even when I got to college and went to a liberal arts school in Manhattan, like it took me a long time. Now, does that mean that black people and people of color need to like let you have time to grow yeah no No. but does that mean that other white people get to fucking crucify me no it's like because we've all been there bitch so let's like 
let's not act like we haven't all said things that we regret, that we haven't all been uh, trying to unlearn these behaviors. Like we all, we're all coming from the same place. I don't care how progressive and intelligent and educated your white family is, you're racist. Also, that's the whole point of being anti-racist is admitting to your, the first step is admitting to yourself that you are racist, either consciously or, you know, unconsciously. And that it takes your whole, until you die, until you die, you are on this journey of being anti-racist. So it's like, I don't understand this like mob that comes out. Yeah. It's, or I do understand where it comes from and it's frustrating where it comes from. Maybe that'll be my deep dive mistake then is the mob that I was part of last summer when it happened to one of our own. Yes. And uh, and again, also, we've all been part of the mob. Like I've yeah. been in the mob before. And last summer was when I was like, you know, actually. Well, yeah, no, I mean, that experience made me really fucking rethink it, you know? Yeah. At first it was like funny and felt good. And then I was like, I fucking know these people. It's really strange. Yeah. But it's complicated because you're also like, and I know some people who are like really hurt by what had happened. Yeah, that was a tough part because I remember there were a lot of black comedians on Twitter being like, I can't believe people are still fucking following this person. Yeah. And then there were a lot of black comedians who were like, hey, stop coming at stop coming at this person it's like gross to watch yeah stop throwing stones from glass houses and i was like i'm just gonna unfollow never follow back and just keep my mouth shut (laughs) that's it Uh, if only i mean i kept my mouth shut comparatively but i had a few of my own tweets that i yeah well you also had more you know history and close or you know exposure to this person i don't even know this person so for me i definitely was fully in the twitter mob in a way that i didn't like when Mm -hmm. i stepped out of it and Mm -hmm. looked at it right yeah well let's talk about that more during our deep dive also to be clear no part of me was like wasn't sarah silverman's blackface actually fine (laughs) it's just more like people are still talking about robert downey jr's blackface in tropic thunder as being genius so i'm just very like confused about like well, I'm I'm personally not confused about how I should feel. I'm not down with any blackface, <laughs> but I'm more confused about like I guess what like um the you know what the people who have done blackface um need to do. Yeah. To get back in the public's good graces cuz Robert Robert Downer, Downey Jr. did nothing yeah. and is fine. Yeah. And I'm just like, and I feel like the joke was kind of the same in both of those pieces of media. Yeah. And it was making fun of blackface being like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Not that that makes the blackface itself okay, obviously, but it's just, I'm just uh, interested. And I, I, I have a feeling that that's probably why initially Sarah Silverman's comments on it were like lacking because I think she probably was like... Well, also, comedians are, like, in a cult. That's the real... Mm. I think that's the real thing, is that comedians are in the cult of, like, if I apologize, then um, I'm, like... I'm validating the perspective that didn't get my joke. Yeah. And... Uh, sometimes that's true. Sometimes you have nothing to fucking apologize for when people just didn't understand a joke. But in times like these, that's not the case. Yeah. But I think sometimes the comedians that are older than us, um, they're, the the cult is a little bit further in their psyches about that specific element of it, of like, 
not backing down and apologizing. But I thought I was under the impression that she did apologize. Not that it's my apology or an apology she for did. me to accept, but she just didn't apologize well, you feel? Yeah. And also, I want to um, add about my family, because some of my family does listen to this podcast, and I just said that I grew up in a racist family. I did grow up in a family where there was racist behavior, but they were not aware because of their own ignorance and bias. And mm-hmm. I will say, 10 years ago, completely different environment than it is now. Mm-hmm. Like, fully did not even get white privilege as working class white people 10 years ago. Yeah. And now we're like, oh, I get it cool so that's like that's another reason why i'm like yes progress actually does exist and you can educate people it should just be obviously other white people educating other white people but let's do that instead of trying to rip each other up and be like not me yeah like what no it's like actually me too (laughs) that's the new me too too movement movement. hashtag times up (laughs) times up on our racism (laughs) (laughs) me too my racism also the fuck up of the week what do you think the fuck up of the week was um uh i don't remember any why does my brain not retain what happened each week why does that keep happening to me i know when you start taking notes like little (laughs) journalists um well, each time I'm like, well, I'll, we'll talk about this on the I pod. know. And then I just don't remember. Well, okay, what happened this week? Um, I feel like all anyone was talking about was, I mean, obviously the fuck up is going to end up being something in the Grammys, but since that's happening tonight, oh, we yeah. weren't going to, so everyone listening to this, the Grammys didn't happen yet when we recorded this. Well, I guess, beyond, I mean, if we wanted to do a Grammy take, the fuck up of the week could be that the Grammys couldn't get Beyonce to perform. Oh, wait, really? Yeah, I, and I've she's being... So she has been nominated for Best Album, I believe, or some some award. I don't know what the fuck it is. But um, they couldn't get her to perform. Yeah. And she wouldn't say why, I guess. But yeah. there's, like, a lot of gossip about the fact... They think it's because so many black artists, famous artists, are kind of over the Grammys and... The way it's been run, which is that like black people never win awards, and it goes to like white white musicians who are not as talented. Yeah, like I think yeah, Taylor Swift's Folklore is up for best album and next to Beyonce. And I'm like, I am a huge Taylor stan. I love Taylor Swift. Folklore is a bad album. <laughs> There's four great songs. Why is that being nominated? Yeah, don't cancel us, Taylor, please. <laughs> Love ya. But I mean, we could name all, all of your albums that are perfect albums. Yeah, Red, Speak them. Now, Fearless. 1989. After 1989, she just stopped making good albums. Yeah. Unfortunately. Still has bangers that come out, but not complete works. Yeah, I'm like, just give us some singles. Just start putting out EPs. <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, yeah, okay, I'll take that as the fuck up of the week. For yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, the Grammys, the Oscars, all those motherfucking... <laughs> award shows which are also just like prom for celebrities like those those award shows to me mean absolutely nothing the oscars and academy awards have always meant or did mean a lot to me as a kid because i was obsessed with being an actor but now as an adult i'm like well i mean i've always been really obsessed with movies and stuff but like i just have very rarely ever seen like the academy awards go with movies that i think deserved it oh, okay. and same with 
Grammys, which is why it just sort of feels like prom king and prom queen. It's not about like who is actually like the nicest person you go to school with. It's just who had the most connections. Well, yeah, I mean, you go you know on a, I mean? you go on literal campaigns. It's always been that way. Like right. people campaign to be nominated. Right. Yeah. And, and that's fine, but it just d- also doesn't mean anything. Like people make it mean something more than it does. Yeah. Doesn't mean like you were actually the best actor this year. Like, no, I mean, mean that, any know? any actor that I've like watched interviews with has said that they love the Oscars and they love the Academy Awards because it's the one time a year where they're being they're finding out how their peers feel about them rather than their fans. Yeah. Which I can understand. But I do wanna say I think the actual fuck up of the week, Cuomo. He's refusing to resign still. Yeah, fuck. Still. <laughs> Which is crazy because Chuck Schumer and uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, Gillibrand both called on him to resign. Yeah. Like two days ago, and he still won't. If Amy Schumer's cousin is <laughs> asking you to resign, that's when you know. That's when you know it's time. The man who like lives in that fucking disgusting house in D.C. Oh my God. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> when he's like, wow, ew. I'm like, yikes. That's when you know. Listener mistakes. This is a listener mistake. A possibly very bad situation was ultimately... Wait, you should be reading this because it's your Don't tell me what to do. You should be reading it, you stupid bitch. Oh, my God. All right. They wrote us a short story. I know. People keep sending, like, really long mistakes. So yeah. I just want to encourage everyone to not do that. Keep it short and quick. <laughs> we love you guys so much, but a lot of you, I'm like, and we love you, but I'm like, start a blog. You're great writers. <laughs> great writers, but doesn't necessarily translate when being read aloud on a podcast. Yeah. We um, just want to hear your mistake. Should I use his name? He include. I mean, it's in the, it's on the email. Nah. Are you all right? <laughs> this is from JH. That, those are the initials, so you figure that one out. Drunk mistake, story of a near miss. A possibly very bad situation was ultimately avoided, but I thought I'd include a content warning because I feel like this could also describe a prelude to some awful experiences that weren't avoided. One time in the middle of the night after leaving a club alone, I was feeling tired from all the drinking, and after walking a few blocks, I rested on a bus stop bench, and I guess I must have fallen asleep. But for an amount of time that was so quick that I didn't realize it at the time, and a man in a car woke me up, and he said, Hey, did you order an Uber? Thinking in Homer Simpson voice, that sounds like something I would do. I don't watch The Simpsons. I don't get that. Uh, Yeah, Homer says that. (laughs) It's Um, just a Homer quote. I'm not sure what my response was, but I think before I was able to say anything, he said something along the lines of, come on, I'll take you home. I think he was handling most of the conversation. He had a really calm and friendly demeanor and asked me to turn on my GPS and have my phone tell him where to go. He set my phone in front of his steering wheel, where he already had two or three phones laying. It was then that I was uncertain of what I had gotten myself into. He didn't get a chance to drive me too far, and the trip wasn't very long, probably five to seven miles at most. After he passed one freeway exit that would take me home, that was a concern. But then when he passed three freeway exits, continuing to go the opposite direction of where I lived, that was a red flag, and that's when I gently took my phone back and asked that he drop me off and told him I could get home the rest of the way from there. Fortunately for me, he did stop the car and let me off. 
He didn't specify an, an exact amount, but he asked for a fee that I felt was appropriate. I think I gave him 7 to $12 in cash just because I still wasn't sure what he was capable of, despite having a really gentle-sounding voice. I don't know if you've ever seen clips of the old fantasy island where the right-hand man says, the plane boss, the plane, but he sounded very similar to that. I got off and called an Uber or Lyft and called an actual Uber or Lyft and got home safely the rest of the way. I don't know what he had planned for me, but I can only guess. I always thought I avoided something very bad, but maybe I just avoided an inflated fare through an art through through an artificially long trip. I don't know. I think being a large man also helped, possibly giving him uncertainty of what I was capable of, when in reality, I probably would have been too clumsy to fight LOL. After that, I definitely put more moderation into my drinking in the subsequent months and stopped entering strange men's cards and eventually got sober. Okay, this actually wasn't that long. You made this a concise story. You just used a lot of paragraph breaks. <laughs> yeah, that was actually very reasonable. Um, I take it <laughs> back. I take it back. I love. We love you, King. We love you, King. I, it was more of a blanket statement in general. I also didn't think this was that long. Yeah. Today. It just Sorry. looked long as I was scrolling. There was one that we got recently where I was like, oh, I it need a sip of water. <laughs> I know. It was so long. I mean, it was a good story, but we we were like, <laughs> just tell us the mistake, you know? Um, and yeah. not because we don't absolutely adore Door. reading your embellishments and your your like asides and stuff but it's very hard for us to read it yeah <laughs> we start getting like dry cotton mouth yeah. and we're not oh, even high oh oh they meant that as a joke <laughs> like it's just anya know. has to take out her retainer yeah, i yeah i have to we put have up to, my hair we have to put on reading glasses <laughs> for some reason i have to put up my hair when i read um <laughs> violent in a series of unfortunate events yeah yeah with a ribbon yeah definitely survived that because you were a man that really made me think of do you remember the girl two years ago in south carolina at the university of charleston i believe who got into what she thought was her uber when she left the club that's my nightmare. Got into... So th- you know how now they always tell you on Uber, check the license plate? Yeah. That was why they yeah. made that. Because she she was a senior, left the club, <sighs> and her friends were like, okay, we'll see you. She was like, I'm going to get an Uber home. I don't know why she didn't go home with them. Long story short, a car... She was looking at her phone and a car pulled up. And because the Uber was on the way and she was drunk she just hopped in which a lot of us did before this happened i know i would do that a lot not really thinking i've always always checked the license plate but only because i um am i have accidentally gotten into other wrong cars in other circumstances Mm, yeah and she um that happened where he drove the driver drove not to where she needed to go but like 30 20 or 30 miles from her campus and murdered her so was this guy just, like, counting on that someone would think I, he's an Uber? I guess, yeah. That's that's pretty much what... Um, or was he just going about his night and then somebody got in his car and he's like, well, while we're here... No, I think, because he, like, it was a premeditated... Like, he, like, stabbed her and, like, it was de- it was Ugh. very much like he was trying to kill someone. And I think that was it. Because it, it was a very, like, crowded off-campus bar. So it, like, was very likely that... If he were waiting, a girl would get into an Uber drunk. I mean, I I did that once. I mean, I knowingly knew it wasn't my Uber, but somebody else had gotten in my Uber. 
which I didn't realize, and my phone was dead, and I was drunk, and another person's Uber pulled up, and I was like, I'm drunk and alone at this bar. I need to get home. I'm just going to get in this car. Oh, my God. And I was like, wrong address. Go here. And the guy luckily took me. But I think about, like, yeah, something like that, like, actually being alone in the car. He also, like, had the child safety locks on. Yeah, of course. So she couldn't even get out. Ah! Poor girl. But, yeah, then they made that rule for Uber. And now I always... I check, like, four times before I get in a car now. I know, me too. I, like... Yeah, I'll read the little license plate number that it has on the app, and I'll come up with, like, a little bit of a sing-songy, like, jingle to it, so that I can, like... Like, T45567, whatever, you know? And then I'll make sure I repeat... I can repeat it in the exact same little, like, rhythm that I did, um on the app when the car pulls up that's like that's that's how i make sure i'm but then even like i recently was just like in uh in an uber and i was like if the uber had child safety locks on like yeah they'd probably know who did it because of the app but i would still get murdered yeah i mean i would (laughs) just bring me much comfort that my murderer would get caught you know i just don't want to get murdered i would just go psycho i would go psycho in that car and just flip like i would do at anything it took even if i did get killed in the end i think a lot of people in that situation probably freeze up yeah and think if they just cooperate especially if there's a weapon i'm sure this guy had if he stabbed her i'm sure he had a weapon in the car um so you know the the fight or flight uh, thing that takes over for me it's definitely fight um but yeah no i mean i think about that all the time i don't like taking ubers anymore like anytime i leave a friend's house i would rather just stay at a friend's house until 4 a.m to wait for the trains to start running again it's either like i'm leaving by two now or after four because mm-hmm. i very recently have been like oh i don't like this <laughs> Yeah, I think in the before times, the train was chill up until 5 a.m. even. Oh, yeah. Because it wasn't like a... Oh, I meant because it shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I'll always take the train. I don't care about taking... the. I feel safer taking the train alone when I'm fucked up late at night than I do getting in an Uber alone when I'm fucked up late at night. Yeah. Because also the train, at least before COVID, was full of other people. Yeah. And so... um, no matter, like, every time of day, the train has other people in it. And so that's not to say you're totally safe because New Yorkers stay minding their business. And so <laughs> I have kind of seen some things go down in the train where I realize, like, nobody's helping anyone because they don't want to get involved. And I'm like, that's not crazy comforting. But it's more, you have more, it's more likely someone will help you when they're around than when you're alone in an Uber with the person that is. Yeah. But yeah, that's terrifying. I it, You definitely survived that because you're a dude. And you definitely fucked up, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. For sure, yeah. Fuck up. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good on you for getting sober. Yeah, also good on you for being able to get out of that goddamn car. Good on you for um being lucky enough to be a man. <laughs> must, must be nice. <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> what does that feel like? Oh, you just got out of your Uber? <laughs> and this person is like, I fucking hate these bitches. Yeah. <laughs> mistake so if they hate us then um keep on hating but thanks for listening this person is like unsubscribe unfollow or maybe they actually really love it they're like "Ooh, they're doming me 
<laughs> yeah, yell at me more. Tell me I'm a fucking piece of shit. Ooh, write into the pod and let us know if um, if Nika and I doing a doming video together would be something you'd be interested in. Yeah, if you'd pay a lot of money for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. You would pay a lot of money for that. Fucking you- piece of shit. <laughs> you fucking stupid loser. You fucking idiot. You're gonna fucking waste your money on me. You fucking idiot. Good. Great. <laughs> Episode's with, over. With the cock destroyers. <laughs> Literally, I destroyed my cock. <laughs> now it's my vagina. So um, I'm the original cock destroyer. <laughs> it is, yeah. You've just it's destroyed. For sure. <laughs> it is no longer. I a can cock. never get it back. Certified destroyed cock. <laughs> so really, your surgeon is a cock destroyer. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Chadawat. Love you. Sending love to Bangkok. Um. So deep dive. Yeah. What's your deep dive, bitch? Deep dive. Well, you know, I've been I've been wanting to talk about this, but I've been like, should we have one of the other people involved on the pod? And we still could, and I could still talk about it now without them. So yeah. I'll do that. Okay. Um, so should I use names? I don't want to put her back into the hot seat. I mean, I don't. I think that's giving us a lot of credit. I don't think. No, I know. No, but you know. And I wouldn't like, use his name because he has made it pretty clear that he doesn't want to be associated with what happened anymore. Yeah. Um, and people keep anytime people get mad at him on Twitter, they bring it up. Oh really? Yeah. When he tweeted that thing about Best Calb recently, and Best Calb was yelling at me and him. Um, somebody, some like fucking white fucking white fag, like popped into his DMs and was like. Oh, funny that you'll um, call out best cow, but you were fine making oh, that yeah, video yeah, yeah, with yeah, so yeah. and so. Okay, all right. I'm just gonna not gonna use anyone's names, and then if we ever have any of these people on the pod, yeah. then we'll talk about it with their name. If but you know, you know. If you know, you know. So over the summer, I think uh, largely instigated by the Black Lives Matter protests, um, combined with everyone feeling fucking crazy and restless due to COVID quarantine. People just had too much time on their hands and started, uh, just diving into the archives of random comedians to see if they're in fact also racist, which the answer, if they're a white comedian is always yes. And not because I'm you know, being shady, but because of what we said earlier, where it's like we all have shit that we need to unpack, unlearn, etc. So there was a comedian that I've known for a long time and is very much in the same circles as us who um, a video resurfaced where, to be fair to her, she was making a joke, like making fun of racists, but that's what Sarah Silverman was doing with blackface too. So I'm not saying that that makes it okay, but to be fair to her, she wasn't just making a racist joke. She like was trying to be satirical. And obviously, as we all know, that doesn't always work. And sometimes you just are still being racist. Mm-hmm. Um, And this is a video that came out a few years ago, and all of us had watched and didn't have a problem with when it came out. I didn't watch when I say all of us, whatever. As a community, it was watched. I had never seen the video, but whatever. I'm sure if I had watched it when everyone else did, I would have been like, LOL, making fun of racists or whatever, you know? Um, And 
the Twitter mob really descended on her for a few different reasons. I mean, her father is a venture capitalist, so a lot of people had already had sort of like resentments about the amount of privilege she was bringing into her arena in comedy. Um, and like, you know, con- like that combined with the fact that like she, I guess, had like a show that didn't pay well or maybe didn't pay at all. I don't really remember the specifics, but people were like, while we're on the subject, here are the other ways that you've been, like, not good in this comedy community. And my, like, so I'm not here to talk about all of that. I'm just giving context. My experience with this person has always been that she's, like, pleasant, but um, also, like, very much part of the crew of, like, NYU comedians who just, like, are very privileged and help each other out a lot and that's fine but um it like sucks to be around (laughs) it's the most polite way i can say it i've one-on-one she's always been perfectly pleasant but like when people started bringing up kind of the larger cultural problem of these like very privileged comedians um i agreed with that um so my mistake in this is that i Also started tweeting about it. I will say I stand by the first tweet I ever tweeted about it, which was that um, when the video surfaced and everyone was like, oh, my God, this is in such bad taste. My like I just took it as an opportunity to be like, hey, guys, what an opportunity this is to analyze that even like the woke comedians have um, like there's an insidious amount of racism and white supremacy in like every corner of stand-up comedy and of alt comedy and i feel like you know she belongs to a crew of people that really that i also belong to that are like you know the like woke like uh progressive comedians the alt comedians Mm -hmm. and i think there's been a lot of like patting ourselves on the back that like we aren't like the like whatever the club comedians the club comics that are like you know homophobic and transphobic and sexist and racist and so my first tweet about it was just like hey guys this is long overdue but what an opportunity to look at ourselves right now because this is happening within the community of um people who like to call out that other community Mm I stand by that tweet. That's kind of what you, you we were just talking about. Yes. The, the new Me Too movement. <laughs> yeah. Time's up. <laughs> yeah, time's up on alt comics thinking they're not also um, racist. But I think because of, like, that pent-up resentment around the, like, rich comedians, um, a lot of us, including myself started to kind of dump on her about our grievances kind of about like just that whole part of comedy um and so i ended up tweeting honest i think i in total tweeted like three tweets about this i responded to a lot of people's tweets so i i know that there's people out there who would be like um no you tweeted a bunch about this and you're probably not wrong but i mean as far as like my tweets you know that were on my timeline Mm -hmm. um And, like, the next two were, one of them was kind of, like, I quote tweeted one of her friends, um, which I probably should have just, because I know him in real life, I should have just reached out to him directly, that I thought that, like, you know, his comment on it 
Um, it was annoying. It was annoying. It was an annoying. It was very much a, this is my best friend and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Which I, as a loyal bitch, I respect, no, but it was I, annoying. And I totally understand it, but, you know, they, he and she both have very big platforms. So that was my main issue where I was like, hey, you're kind of like giving your friend a pass right now. Mm-hmm. And you have like a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. So let's maybe not do that. Chill out. He and I have talked about this privately and like ended up kind of totally agreeing with each other ultimately like um like we're fine mm-hmm. and um i'm you know i'm glad that i eventually did reach out to him privately because that was probably the right thing to do yeah <laughs> but so i quote tweeted it i don't actually think quote tweeting it was a mistake either because i didn't really say anything offensive or rude but then like my next tweet or two were like kind of jokes about the situation which i realize in retrospect is exactly what she did <laughs> yeah which is like making a joke about racism essentially um and you know fucking egg on my face <laughs> um my intention was to kind of like have the backs of my friends who were really hurt and offended by mm-hmm. her video mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't my, like, as another white woman, mm-hmm. it wasn't really my place to then, like, make jokes about it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that jokes aren't always an inappropriate response to when somebody does something wrong. Like, sometimes that's kind of the, be- you know, we all watch fucking John Oliver and The Daily yeah. Show and stuff. Like, jokes can be a good way to call someone out. But, um, yeah, I just, even if, even if. There's people of the opinion that the jokes I made did not, you know, add to the problem or whatever. I personally felt icky about them. Yeah. Which is why they're a mistake. Um, I don't necessarily think I need to, like, issue a press release or anything. I don't think I said anything, like, whatever. Like, offensive. But I just realized it truly was a throwing stones from glass houses moment on yeah. my part. And um, Very that Spider-Man meme. Yeah. And I regret it. Yeah. I don't regret um, my initial thing of just, like, talking about how we could all benefit from analyzing how our own communities are complicit in white supremacy. But I regret how I then partook in said analyzation. Yeah. Um, Because it was not productive or fair. Um, And I'm friends with a lot of people that did not agree with how a lot of us like took to Twitter about it. And um, I, to this day, think that like, there's a little bit of our friendship that isn't normal. (laughs) And I don't know if it's because of that situation, but I feel like it was like a moment where people, your friendship with the person that we're discussing. No, no, no. Oh, I'm like, Oh, with people who were upset with, with, with like how, like, you know, how, how the mob quote unquote handled it. And like, but you weren't really a. I mean, I'll you can. I'll not. I'm not going to cut you off. But you weren't a part of the mob, in my opinion. I don't really think I was either. But I do like you know. If we're going to put it into two categories of like people who <laughs> stayed in their lane and people who like joined in on the like fun of taking someone down. Yeah. Then I was like part of the mob in that sense. Yeah, I got. How and it I looked. don't. I don't regret like not being okay with what happened in that video. Yeah. Like I'm still not. Yeah. But I I like my mistake was um especially somebody who I know who like is in 
the same community as me, uh, like kind of, you know, reveling in um, how she was like being quote unquote canceled. Yeah, it was very masturbatory of a lot of other comedians. Yeah, it was it was very clear that unrelated to what you were trying to do, but from what I was seeing. And I even caught myself up into it a little bit because I made one tweet and deleted it was that it was a lot of white comedians who were like, oh, we've always been jealous of this bitch. She has more than we have. Let's take her the fuck down. There was like a very gleeful sense of like, oh, we finally are going to cancel this girl. Like, let's get her out of here. And that was that was the gross part of it. But you were not a part of that. Yeah, I don't think I was either. Because yeah. I don't, I, like, you know, I, um, I don't think I was gleeful in her takedown. What I was gleeful about was people who were, like, willing to kind of call out some shit. Like, there was some other comedians who just called out some other things mm-hmm. about that whole situation. And mm-hmm. I was just, like, excited that, like, we were, um finally acknowledging this, like, open secret yeah, as a like community. Yeah, like a reckoning. Yes, exactly. I was gleeful about that. Not really about her specific takedown. I've always thought that she's funny. Um, I've always been like, I, I just don't really find myself in like competition with her. We're completely different. Absolutely. So I never have been like jealous of her or anything. I'm like, yeah. I but like, you know, there is always an element of like, oh, cool. You're from a super privileged family and went to a really good school and now things are working out for you. Yeah. Congrats. Like, I've never been like, I guess the reason I've never been jealous of her is that it's like, that was never in the cards for me anyway. That kind of success. Yeah, totally. Like, I I may reach the same exact amount of success, but it will come very differently for me. So that that has never really been, um, whatever. It doesn't matter. Point is, um, I was zooming out very much uh, not impressed with how, like, white comedians as a whole handled it. And I count myself among them. So that is why I find it to be a mistake. I still stand by a few of the things that I said. Yeah. Um, But I reached out to her and I apologized for that. Like, you know, the elements where it was more personal. I didn't think that was, like, fair. Yeah. Um, And I, you know... I, like, stand by that apology um, as well. I yeah. think both things can be true. Anyway, so that's my deep dive. Um, I would love to have her or one of the other people involved on the podcast. Same. Because I think it would be really interesting to kind of analyze in retrospect. But I also completely understand not wanting to, like, bring it up again. Yeah. Anyway, um... But yeah, there were a couple specifically black comedians who like told me that they not specifically me, but like I was among some of the white people that they were like, mm, maybe you shouldn't be making jokes about this. Yeah, and that's what made me be like, oh, you shouldn't have had to tell me that. Yeah, for well, me to I mean, that. specifically the person who is in the video, yeah. who people were like, this is a. It was a lot of white comedians being like, this is a victim that we're going to defend. Yeah, and he kept being like, please don't. Like, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, I got it. I can yeah. like speak for myself, and I don't need you to pile on this person that you hate independently. Yeah, of this, like this was an. It was an easy. It was an easy target for again a lot of like envious 
comedians who are insecure in their own ways and see her as being like the pinnacle of success yeah. for them to come at her. Yeah. And I was like, we, we all and got I love it. him. Yeah, he's great. I love great. him, and I feel really bad for any ways that I contributed to him having a shitty fucking few weeks yeah. this past summer. Um, he and I have also spoken directly, and he's been very gracious about, like, understanding that it was, like, unprecedented yeah. territory for, like, people to navigate in our community. It was. I mean, it was... Let's not, like, you know, get it twisted. It was a disturbing video. So, like, <laughs> yeah. fully, I had never seen that. And when <laughs> I watched either. it, I was like... Oh my god! Because yeah. I went into it with the frame of mind of being like, "Oh, it's probably it's not gonna be that bad." No, it's like pretty disturbing. It's pretty, yeah, it's fucked up. Which, like, so that's why I, I don't like if there's anybody who you know was on quote unquote my team who is listening to this, being like, "Whoa, why are you considering that a mistake to be disturbed by that video?" No, 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 still disturbed. Yeah, it was just the way in which it was handled. The way it was handled, I think, could have been better, and I think you know it was never before have we been in the middle of like a revolutionary like racial justice movement and a pandemic where everyone's been inside because mm. this is the part of the pandemic where everyone had been legit inside yeah. for three months straight yeah um and it was like a comedian who was like people had thought of as like a quote-unquote woke comedian yeah and like the itch girl of a very specific crew yeah and then that crew had to like deal with it yeah and that had never happened before mistake much like um this you know this relates to our fuck up our best mistake our best mistake our best fuck up our best fuck up um (laughs) which is the iconic 1995 interview um from the bbc with uh princess diana and martin bashir um who still is a journalist for the bbc to this day 26 years later um similarities would you know be that there was a huge controversy an unprecedented controversy (laughs) a lot of people wanted to say a lot of things some people did get to speak on it but it all got really mired and manipulated and really caused caused something that i would say ultimately led to princess diana's death um and it was you know it was something that still to this day people are unpacking so <laughs> so you think this is going to ultimately lead to my death no but i think okay. that this is something that we will be unpacking for years to come in the comedy community on yeah. so it'll always be spoken about yeah. i think at parties or fucking bar- whatever in hush hush ways <laughs> um and the sense in which there was this media mob and yeah. our media mob was twitter <laughs> like open micers um (laughs) but so um the i love that you know nothing about this this is fun yeah um all right so listener i've never cared about the royal family even a little for the listener i'm obsessed with royal families across the entire world so i'm different it's not just the british royal family it's all of them well i've i like i to be clear obsessed with the royal family up until uh contemporary like, oh I've, I've not... i hate them but i'm obsessed with how much i hate them no, no, no. oh yeah just to clarify I'd, i meant like as far as i know a ton about the british royal family from like the 15th century yeah i know nothing starting in like 1900 probably all right well let's get ready <laughs> great all right so because this was uh the 1900s as gen z would call it um <laughs> 
anyway, this was 1995, two years before Princess Diana died. She died in the summer of 97. Um, and her marriage to Prince Charles, who is the future king, had been pretty much breaking down from even before they were married, depending how you look at it. Um, she He was much older than her. She was 18 when—she was 15 when they first met, 18 when they started dating— and 18 by the time they were married he was like 34 so it was a big generational difference um he for years had been in love with camila camila parker bowles who is now his wife um and she just like was not considered suitable if you watch the crown and you saw season four they cover this um she, you know, she came from an aristocratic family. She came from money, Camilla, but she was a slut, um, you know, in the eyes of the aristocracy. She was not a virgin when they met. She was, you know, fucking around with people. Her great-grandmother had had an affair with um, the Prince of Wales, like, two generations before, who then went on to become King George the fifth um so there was already this interesting kind of family familial connection um and she was kind of getting compared to that a lot anyway long story short the royal family as soon as they realized that charles wanted to marry camilla were like absolutely not um so they the queen mother and queen elizabeth and lord mountbatten which was prince charles's paternal uncle um all teamed up and were like fuck this we're gonna marry her off so they married her. They got her family to marry her off to whatever Parker Bowles. I forgot his first name. The man that she had been. Uh, she was basically caught up in like a, a affair with him and then Prince Charles. And they were like, you're going to marry him. Prince Charles is not marrying you. You will never be queen. Then he meets Diana and he, you know, kind of plucks her up and is like, you'll be a great queen. I guess I'll marry you. Um, but I don't love you. Um, and so they were married in the late 80s. Um, and she, like, said in this interview that basically by, like, the time Prince Harry was, like, seven, they had stopped having sex and their marriage had, like, completely broken down. Um, so there was, like, a a few years after that where they still stayed together, but they weren't—it was— known by everyone that he was fucking around with Camilla. Princess Diana was sleeping with other people. Princess Diana was famously bulimic. She had a lot of mental health issues that were not being dealt with because of the institution that she was a part of. She possibly had borderline personality disorder, which people now think. It was confirmed that she said that after she had Prince William, she suffered from postpartum depression, which enhanced her bulimia. Then she was self-harming in other ways. So there was a lot going on. And mind you, she's also this young girl. She becomes a, you know, a princess at 18 years old. Um, and she, her and Prince Charles had, like, wanted to divorce for a while in, like, the early 90s. Um, but Princess Margaret was the only royal who had ever been divorced um, at that time. And so it was still a little bit taboo. And they were like, you can't get a divorce. You're the future king. That's not going to work. Um, so Princess Diana in 95 is introduced to Martin Bashir through her brother, um, the uh, Lord Spencer. Um, 
he is introduced to Martin Bashir at a party. And Martin Bashir courts courts uh, Spencer into introducing him to his sister, Princess Diana. And he convinces Princess Diana to do this interview, this, like, hush-hush, unprecedented... Like, royals don't sit down for interviews. Uh, I mean, they did just recently, <laughs> which is why this is interesting. But this kind of, like, this created kind of like this set the precedent for that to then be normal because up until diana had done this interview it had only ever been very like you know controlled in a controlled environment with like the palace staff and you know their pr people knowing every bit about it no one knew that this interview was coming and it happened in kensington palace which is really funny that no one knew they literally like snuck in like camera footage journalists like everything uh or camera equipment not footage camera equipment the lights everything you need they somehow snuck into kensington palace into princess diana's apartment um so martin bashir very heavily manipulated Princess Diana into doing this interview. And, like, I don't really think there's any room for argument about that. And I'll explain how. So Martin Bashir meets Princess Diana through her brother at a party. And he shows Princess Diana bank statements that prove that palace staff are selling stories about Princess Diana to the tabloids secretly. And he's like, I have these bank statements. Here's the proof. Don't you want to tell your story? Like, don't you want to be the one? Because she had already been, at this point, her and Prince Charles and their extramarital affairs and her mental health issues, it had all been in the press for, like, years at this point. But they were not allowed to comment on it. Um, And so he's like, look, people in the palace, they're, like, they're spying on you and they're making money and they're selling it to the Telegraph, to the Guardian, etc. Why don't you come talk to the BBC and we'll do this interview with you? And because she was a woman who was clearly going through a lot, the breakdown of her marriage, all of these issues, she's being cheated on, she's cheating, in a very fucked up emotional place, she agrees to do the interview. So she does the interview. Um, I want to pull up the quote, because for anyone who's watched it, you know that this is the really famous quote. Um, Where is it? Um... She's, she goes on to the, the famous quote from the interview um, is that there were three of us in this marriage. So it was a bit crowded, um, which was the reference to Charles's affair with Camilla. Um, she never like she offers a lot in this interview, but she doesn't. It's not as clear cut of an interview as, say, the Harry and Meghan interview where they really talk about everything or at least Meghan does. Um Anyway, the interview is a fucking bombshell hit. We find all of this shit out about Diana. We find out about the affair. We find out that she is bulimic. We we get to really see, and you may have seen the clips. You know, there's this clip constantly on Twitter where um, Martin Bashir says, do you think that you'll ever become queen? And she says, no, I don't think that the institution uh, wants me to be queen. Um, but I think that I'll always be the queen of people's hearts. And it was this like kind of famous branding opportunity for her to then kind of solidify her place as being like the, the people's princess. She's not like the royals. Um, and the interview is released. Bombshell hit. Buckingham Palace flips the fuck out and is like absolutely seething with rage. 
And so Queen Elizabeth writes to Charles and Diana and tells them, you need to divorce. Like, you know what? You want a divorce? You're out. Get out of here. We can't do this anymore because you're going to destroy the royal family if you continue on this path. Um, So they split up pretty soon after the interview. Um, And it just, like, sets off this media frenzy for Princess Diana that had been there for years, but it had... It, this, like, was, like, the... When, when it got really bad. Um, and it caused a lot of, like, grief in her own life. It was the first time that she had ever gotten into, like, a huge blowout with her son, Prince William. Um, he was really, really, really angry. Um, it says in interviews, um, both angry at what his mom... Mind you, he's, like, so young. He was, like... I was gonna say, how old was he at that point? Let me look it up. So this was 95, um, Prince William. Um, let's see, what year was he born? He was born... He was born in 82. So he was 15? Okay. I think. So a real Claudia Conway situation. Yeah, yeah. so he was really angry, and he was angry. He's like, you know what, Mom? (laughs) I have opinions, too. Wait, what? Actually, yeah. Can you imagine if TikTok... Oh, my God. Well, there were, like, in this past generation of royal teens. 13, but that would be insane. I would love that. (laughs) It's Um, a bummer there's no current royal teens. (laughs) We need to see how they would TikTok. There are. I'll find them. I bet, like, the Greek royal teens are on TikTok. Oh, yeah. We'll get them on. Um, Come on the pod. Anyway, Prince William, like, flips out in the palace. He's, like, both angry that his mother has gone through all of this pain. But he was equally embarrassed because he's, like, at boarding school and everyone's, like, you know, saying all these things about his mom. Who knows what? But, I mean, we can surmise what they were saying about her. Um, And... Anyway, basically, like, seals her fate. Uh, two years later, she dies. She from she dies in a car crash because the paparazzi in Paris are chasing her through chasing her car through a tunnel, and as we all know, it led to a fatal crash. Um, but it also not only did it lead to her death, it led to like the last bit of protection and of like support that she had had from the royal family by, like, being an actual member of the family was completely lost when she released this interview and then decided to leave Prince Charles, Um, which, like, you could go on to argue that the support was never there, which is what led to the breakdown of this marriage and led to her being so manipulated that she was able to do this Mm -hmm. interview. What I find so interesting about this interview, obviously, the, the interview is interesting independent of her being manipulated just because it's a huge it was a huge scandal but the lasting effect of the interview has lasted for literally 26 years to the point that they are currently waiting for martin bashir to recover this was last year Mm -hmm. in 2020 they were waiting for him to recover from heart surgery and also covid because they're trying to do an independent investigation the bbc an independent investigation and inquiry into if there were any like legal ethical issues with the interview this be- i remember this because I remember of the lie yeah yeah literally forged 
forged papers to lie to her so that she would do the interview. Um, so it's had a huge effect, and it's like something that Harry, apparent, you know, Prince Harry and Prince William apparently still are very angry about, and like they still have their eyes on the inquiry. It's like spoken about a lot by both of them. Um, so yeah, I just I find all of that interesting, and it's it's kind of like the. She was kind of like the Britney Spears and the Diane Sawyer interview, mm-hmm. you know, years before it even happened. And it's, like, interesting to see the ways in which, like, the the public and people who consider themselves to be, like, fans of Princess Diana and, like, love her laud this interview as being, like, it was, she was, like, able to speak her truth. And, like, years later, people still think that. And it's, like, actually, that's not what happened. She was kind of, like, gaslit, manipulated, and lied to into doing this interview. And because she was in such a bad mental place, she had already kind of broken down so much support within her inner circle that after she did this interview, like, her press secretary quit. A lot of people on her team were like, we were quitting. Like, we can't, we can't manage you why would you do this mm-hmm. like it was so sneaky and our job is to protect you and your image and you have now made that impossible um and so it it led to her downfall obviously she is not responsible for her death at all i don't believe the conspiracy theory that the british royal family had her killed i think the people responsible for her death are the media yeah. and the paparazzi um yeah, and I mean, I get you know, to me, the mistake would be that she agreed to do the interview and that she was so caught up in rage and anger and so caught up in uh, a place of not being listened to. She was so desperate to be heard that she didn't think... I mean, she wasn't, like, a young woman either. She was 33, which, like, is young, but you're not, like, a child. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people will defend it by saying, well, she was immature, and it's like, that may be true, but... She was an adult. Mm-hmm. She wasn't 21. She wasn't 18. Um, like, Meghan Markle's 35. Yeah. Two, two year difference. Um, it, like, it very... If she... I wonder where her life would have gone if she had not done this interview and had still been, a you know, the People's Princess media sensation. But I think because she gave them so much salacious information after that, she created unknowingly and maybe unwillingly a media storm surrounding herself being in the tabloids that the media became even hungrier which we saw with britney spears you know britney spears gave a little and they were like we want so much more now keep giving it to us same with whitney houston same with so many celebrities who have had these really controversial interviews at very low points and then it's either led to a complete mental breakdown or to their death Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah, damn. I mean, I know so little about the royal family, but I've obviously been, um, you have no choice but to know about Princess Diana in this world. What's interesting is, was she died in 95, 96? 97. Okay, yeah. I was famously born born in 96, so I feel like um, the majority of the, like, inescapable details, I was able to escape because I yeah. was not born slash was one years old. But um, it's been really interesting with this journalist being like in the hot seat, despite being on his 
deathbed kind of is that what's happening with him i don't i mean this was last year that this popped up um i'm gonna look it up right now because the article that i got all this info the majority of this info from is vanity fair but it was published in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic um but let's see martin bashir what are you doing today um yeah, the last update was November 9th, 2020, and it was BBC to hold investigation into how Martin Bashir obtained Diana yeah. interview. I find it very fascinating that this is all coming to a head at the same time again as it happening, like the recent controversy. He's not going to face criminal charges is the most recent thing, okay. which was a week ago. All right. So I guess they did it. They all did right. the inquiry. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating to see the like parallels between her situation and her son's situation with his wife um did you watch the into the because no, he, he literally no interest he says it in the oprah interview where he says like um he kind of like subtweets that or megan talks about the interview a little bit and then when harry comes on like an hour later into the interview he talks about that and is you know goes on to say like it's been miserable for me and Megan to, you know, extract ourselves from the situation we found ourselves in. And I can't even begin to imagine what it was like for my mom, who was doing it alone yeah, with no help. Yeah. And, like, no one really to trust. I mean, she had close friends, but there was really no one, when I look at what I've read, that really had her best interest at heart. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I absolutely... It's just another example of, like how little interest I have in um, in true fame, you know? Yeah. In household name fame. Yeah, I don't really think... She, I mean, you know, I don't think she wanted it either. Like, she grew up in a very super rich family, like, even more money than the royal family, or an older family than the royal family, royal connections, etc. But, I mean, she was, like, a babysitter and or a kindergarten teacher living in, like, a three-bedroom apartment with two roommates in London before she um, married Charles. So she was, like, living a very quiet life. No one knew who she was. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, oh, I did not mean to insinuate that that's what she, her goal was. Oh, I don't, I I don't think you that, were. Like, fame in general, regardless of if you really wanted it, like someone like Britney Spears, or if you didn't really want it, like someone like Princess Diana... Um, or Amanda Knox. Yeah. Is another example of someone who didn't want it. Um, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Um, it's just, uh, it's a monster. I wonder if really the real mistake of that story is that motherfucker forging some papers and then ruining a woman's life with them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it would be both. I think, like, I, I'd agree with that. Definitely the one of the major mistakes would be the, Not that she's like you know incapable of no, but I mean making her own decisions. I'm sure that you know he played into her paranoia. So yeah, the one layer of it is the absolute uh, lack of ethics. Yeah, um, that were carried out by this journalist and by his team at the BBC. That was terrible, um, and also her willingness to do the interview in secrecy too is where I'm like you. She definitely knew. Whether or not she was mentally ill, I'm, we, uh, lots of people have mental illnesses. You can still make a cognizant decision. I'm, it seems like she was in a place where she straight up wanted revenge. Yeah. Because she was angry. And uh, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Because that revenge caused a media storm that followed her for the last two years of her life. 
Ugh. R.I.P. R.I.P. Princess Diana. Moral of the story. So yeah, is that the moral of the story? Careful what you wish for. <laughs> no, no. I think the moral of the story, um, I think like the angle of just being a, a woman who is taken advantage of, like I think there, that's where the moral of the story kind of revolves around. It's like what, you know, what is that power dynamic like? And like it's very similar to Meghan Markle in terms of where she was not being protected, but she at least had a husband who supported her. Like, oh, the media always and continues in both the United States and the UK to be absolutely fucking obsessed with building these women up and mm-hmm. creating these fairy tales and then, and then ripping them, them the, the fuck, fuck down. down. And that to me is, you know, we've talked about this before on other episodes. Like we all get caught up in it. Yeah. And even, even, people who think they love diana <laughs> that is how it relates to my deep dive yes yes you're right that we all get how, caught up in it that's how it relates is that this was a woman in comedy that everyone had like built up and then reveled in tearing her down yeah whether or like once again do not want to say that it was um like the criticism was undeserved yeah no. <laughs> the video fucked up but um the way in which it was handled is very much i think in that vein of like we love to watch somebody fucking burn yeah absolutely um absolutely and like for what you know it's not like there's any nobody gets anything out of it i we i think we all get so caught up in it and then it's like well who's actually responsible here and yeah. it's like 26 years later we're still trying to find out like who is actually responsible for what happened to Diana. Like, yeah, you could say it was Martin Bashir and the fucked up shit he did. You could say it was her brother who introduced her to this guy and wouldn't protect her. Was it the royal family? Was it Charles? Was it Diana herself? Like, there's so many layers here. And maybe, unfortunately, the uneasy uh, thing to say is that maybe there is not just one person to blame. Like, we're all, we all play a role, big and small, in these media storms that ruin people's lives yeah yeah it makes you wonder um like this is i mean i just recently um was talking to somebody who just like has really no interest in pop culture and it was like they were kind of interviewing me about like what do you like about that Mm -hmm. and it you know i still stand by my fascination with pop culture and my like obsession with um things like this but it is so funny to just think about the people who have completely excused themselves from that entire world and just how fucking crazy it must look to them when shit like this it's like i'm sorry what a woman fucking died because everyone just needed like another little piece of her another picture and then literally we're taking photos of her as she was on a stretcher Ugh. like her up apparently somebody said her last words were can you just leave me alone as she literally is like dying on a fucking stretcher because they just caused her car to crash yeah like literally clicking cameras in her face i mean it's like unreal it's unreal 
It's crazy. And it's like the... Do you think they made, like, so much money off of those photos, though? They never got um, mm-hmm. sold. The royal family immediately was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. you cannot do that. Um, do you think the royal family paid them off? To not use the photos? Yeah. Probably. And, I mean, good on them if they did. you got to get rid of them somehow. No, I know, but... So, either way, it still ended up maybe being, like, that... They still that made a profit. Probably still was like worth it. Is I guess what I'm saying. Absolutely. Like, fuck, that's insane. It's just like it's very um interesting Ugh. and funny and upsetting. It's lots of things to me that to this day, instead of people just being like, "Yep, it was the media," they're like, "No, the royal family, the royal family in M15, the military branch of the UK government." had a conspiracy to kill <laughs> Princess Diana because Prince Philip one time said it won't end well for you if you divorce Charles, which, like, I think all he was saying was it won't end well for you because you're going to, like, lose your title <laughs> and you won't be a princess, not we're going to fucking kill you. Like, yeah. but who knows? I'm like, do people, do people not realize how truly zero amount of power the royal family has? <laughs> <laughs> they cannot do anything yeah. like they have power within their own world but they can't like call up the government and be like go kill that person <laughs> go kill that bitch i mean maybe they can yeah i don't think so i just think that driver unfortunately was drunk um i mean he was drunk who knows why um i will because the, the main conspiracy theory is that she died with Dodi fayed who was her uh boyfriend at the time her like lover who was Palestinian, I believe. I know he was. Let me look this up. <laughs> Let me look it up. Um, Dodi Fayed. Let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. I take that back. He was Egyptian. Um, they were together, and the conspiracy is that she was pregnant with his baby, and that's why the royal family would have had her killed because they didn't want her to have a a Muslim Egyptian man's baby. Well, that kind of tracks with what has been revealed in... Uh, yeah, now I'm like, well... Uh, wait, I'm like, that that gif of that woman with the all math. the equation, yeah. I'm like, Insert wait... Uh, gif of woman doing math, we hey, all know which one. Hey, everyone, Nika is having a... Um, a breakthrough. A breakthrough right now. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe they had her killed. Who fucking knows? Ugh, I, it's well, just... Either way, fucking tragic. Absolutely tragic. Are you looking for your phone? I am. You just put it under the blanket. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Absolutely Um, tragic and Princess Diana, the Princess of Wales. Um, Rest in peace. Yeah. We love you, girly. And we wish you were here to tell. We wish you were here to be on the pod. Yeah, come on the pod. Wait. Prince Harry, Prince William, come on the pod. Everyone in the royal family. We got Meghan Markle on the pod. Yeah, Meghan Markle, come on the pod. Could you explain kind of everything to me, starting from just, like... The beginning. The beginning. Meghan Markle is literally you. Meghan Markle in the interview is like, no, I didn't know anything about the royal family because I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Oprah keeps being like, oh, you didn't know what you were getting yourself into? You didn't Google them? And she was like, no, I didn't Google the royal family. I was just in love with someone (laughs) who was a member of it. She was like, I didn't... I'm from L.A. I just thought they were famous. Meghan Markle literally come on the pod and <laughs> over like, who the fuck cares? Am I right? Yeah, literally. She said she said that it until a, that it was a few weeks ago when her mom, when Meghan Markle told her mom that she was going to do this interview. Her mom was like, did Diana ever do an interview? And Meghan Markle was like, that's how little me and my family knew. Like, and she's like, I, now. I straight up think 
Because for a long time, I thought Princess Diana was an American who married into oh, the family. Okay. And I straight up think my mom told me that. As oh, a kid. Okay. I don't know. Like it, it, it was recent that I was like, wait, so she wasn't an American? Yeah, no, that I was Wallace was, Simpson. I mean, sh- who cares? She was another American. But I. And a Nazi. <laughs> but I just did not know nor care to like yeah. correct uh, the like actual I, uh, story. I just thought she was an American who married uh, the fucking prince. Yeah, I knew. I was unapologetic, uh, unapologetically obsessed my whole life and still am. I, I woke up at four in the morning on like a, a school morning to watch Kate Middleton walk down the aisle. Remember my mom like came in with like a cup of coffee and was like, it's on. <laughs> I remember when that happened and me being like, oh, there's still a royal family. <laughs> remember all of the theater kids were just, we were just falling asleep at our lockers that day being like, did you watch it too? I know a lot about the Dutch royal family and even that I still don't know a ton about, but only because my family is Dutch. Yeah, they're, they're a chill royal family. And one time my um, aunt explained the royal family to me because, you know, I was a little American kid with a Dutch family. So I didn't know a ton about like Dutch politics at like whatever, six years old. So I was like, you guys have a king? Like, does he rule like Mm -hmm. do you not have elected officials i didn't word it that way as a child but you know and then my my aunt was like no no no. we're a democracy now like the people who make decisions we elect the royal family is just more like our britney spears yeah (laughs) it's the royal family in britain too and um how correct she was without even really knowing the full extent of how correct she would be yeah because this is far before the britney spears ordeal yeah anyway that's it. That's our podcast. That's it. That's, That's it, it. in it. I think I'm done. That's it, in it. I think I finished it. Diana, I hope you're happy if you listen. <laughs> I hope I did you justice. Um, That's all. Follow us. Follow right, us. Right into the pod at right in best mistakes pod at, at gmail.com. Um, or you can email me at uh, princessdiana at gmail.com. The princess of Wales at the royal family dot org. Um, and ooh, I just got another another person who lives with yes, that person has is a negative. negative test. Amazing. Wow. Keepsakes just unfolding mm. more and more. Live from the studio. We just got a keepsake. <laughs> Did you ca- ha- catch the keepsake? <laughs> Um, yeah, we love you. I don't know. Uh, we need to have, we need a, a catchphrase, you know? Like. We need something to call our fan base. Our besties. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, 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 you're besties, right. The, the best. I was thinking the, maybe like our fuck ups, but. Well, our, you're, you're sort of little fuck ups. Best mistakes. Besties. Our besties. Yeah. Okay, you little besties. All right, you little bestie bitches. <laughs> love right, you. Write to us, All please. Right, Leave us a review. Make a lot of mistakes. Learn from them and then tell us about them. And write us a review. Write us a review. We're begging you. I'm on my hands and knees. Yeah. We love you. XOXO. Gossip girl. (laughs) Princess Diana.